0: ta <coughs> da
1: The I pray that Muhammad Hay ala s-salā, Hay ala s-salā. love.
2: I should La I Allah, I will be the one who is the one who is the one مالك يوم الدين اياك نعبد واياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم <تصفيق> صراط الذين عليهم غير المغضوب
3: after reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awud and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, may Allah be his helper, stated. Today, after four years of restrictions, the Jalsa Salana annual convention of the Ahmadiyya community in Germany is taking place on a large scale. May Allah the Almighty enable all attendees to acquire the objectives of the Jalsa. They should not rejoice at the mere fact that he has granted them an opportunity to gather once again, that they will be able to meet each other, sit down together, and that is all. On the contrary, the purpose of holding a jalsa is very lofty, which the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has informed us of, and has expressed it with great anguish. It is that those who pledge initiation to him should acquire religious knowledge, progress in spirituality, increase their relationship with and love for Allah the Almighty, completely follow the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and develop a relationship of love would the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Their love for the world should fade and they should give precedence to their faith. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states on one occasion. It should be clear to all those sincere individuals who pledge allegiance to this humble servant. That the objective of the initiation is that the love for the world decreases and that the love for your benevolent master and the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, prevails. Hence, those who pledge initiation to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, should first and foremost try to be counted among those devotees who are overcome by the love of Allah the Almighty, and His Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him. Furthermore, each word and deed of ours should manifest this as well. This year, 100 years have passed since the Ahmadiyya community was established in Germany. The members of the community in Germany are very excited about this and rejoicing at the fact that they are holding a Jalsa after the centenary of the community being established in Germany, which is a Jalsa of 100 years of the establishment of the community. Many people express their happiness. This is most certainly a joyous occasion that one hundred years ago, Allah the Almighty conveyed the beautiful message of Islam to this country through the promised Messiah peace be upon him. As a matter of fact, the message had reached here even during the life of the promised Messiah peace be upon him. As such, it has been more than a hundred years since the message reached here. Nevertheless, along with this, we should also look at and ponder over what we have achieved over these one hundred years. To what extent did we safeguard our faith? When the community was established here, there were only a few individuals. Then, the situation in Pakistan and around the world changed. And many Ahmadis came to this country and settled
0: here.
3: They came here because they were Ahmadis. And as Ahmadis, Restrictions had been imposed on them in their country on acting in accordance with the teachings of Allah the Almighty and His Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him and to demonstrate this openly. Hence, after coming here and being granted the religious freedom to openly follow the teachings of their faith, they should make arduous efforts to bring about those pure transformations within themselves and to remain firm upon them which the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, demanded of his community. Have we made such an effort? Have we improved our spiritual state and along with this try to attach our children to our religion as well? so that we would be counted among those devotees desired by the promised Messiah, peace be upon him?
0: If we did,
3: then this is the true gratitude we will be expressing on this centenary, which should be expected of an Ahmadi. If we did not, then to rejoice as a worldly tradition over the completion of one hundred years will be of no avail. On numerous occasions, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has given those who pledge allegiance to him a guideline of how to bring about pure, and revolutionary changes within themselves and has given them guidance. If we are truly among those who have devotedly entered into His allegiance, then we must constantly ruminate over these things and then measure our words and actions according to them to determine the degree to which we are fulfilling the purpose of pledging allegiance to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. After having come to this developed country, have we forgotten our purpose? Have the allures of the world caused us to forget The purpose of pledging allegiance, if they have caused us to forget, then this 100-year celebration is useless. At this time, I will present some writings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, which guide us towards our purpose. First, I will present an excerpt of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in which he elucidates what our pledge of allegiance demands of us. He states Do not think that merely pledging allegiance pleases God. This is merely the shell, the outer layer. The essence lies within. The law of nature is generally such that there is an outer peel within which lies the essence. The peel is of no value. The essence is what is used. There are some within whom no essence remains and who become like a hollow chicken's egg which contains no yolk or whites and thus cannot be used for anything and is discarded as a useless thing. Perhaps it may only be used for a couple of minutes as something for children to play with. Similar is a person who pledges allegiance and claims belief, yet does not possess the essence of either of those things within him. He should be fearful lest, just like a hollow egg, he slips, falls and shatters into pieces and is then discarded. This is the very state of those who distance themselves from this community. He states, similarly, one who claims to have pledged allegiance and to have faith should examine as to whether he is merely a shell or the essence. They should constantly analyse themselves. Until the essence is developed, faith, love, obedience, allegiance, belief, subservience and claims to Islam All become false claims. Remember, the truth is that aside from the essence, the shell holds no value in the sight of Allah the Almighty. Remember well that there is no telling when death will come. Yet it is certain that we must die. So do not depend upon mere claims and do not rejoice for it certainly is not beneficial. Until one brings about many deaths upon themselves and does not undergo many changes and revolutions, they cannot achieve the purpose of humanity. Hence, doing justice to the Pledge of Allegiance is no small matter. This can only be achieved when we constantly strive to tread according to the commandments of Allah the Almighty. It is only by distancing worldly pleasures that one can attain such a rank. Living in this world, yet still giving precedence to faith, is the true jihad for which we must strive. What does it mean to give precedence to faith over the world? Is it to completely abandon the world? Whilst expounding upon this, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, In no way do I mean to say that Muslims should become indolent. Islam does not cause one to become indolent. You can be occupied in your businesses and employments, but I do not like that they are not able to make any time for God. Business should be conducted at the time for business, all while bearing the fear of Allah the Almighty in mind, thereby making even that business a form of worship. When it is time for prayer, do not abandon it. Give precedence to faith in every matter. This world should not be the ultimate goal. The actual goal should be faith, then even worldly work will be for the sake of faith. Observe the example of the companions. They did not abandon God even in the most difficult of times. There would be times of such fierce war and battle that one shudders even at the thought of it. They were times of passion and fury, yet even under such circumstances. They did not become ignorant of God. They did not abandon their prayers. They did everything with prayer. It is unfortunate that great efforts are made. Grandiose speeches are delivered. Gatherings are held, saying that Muslims will progress. That they are so aloof from God, that they have forgotten Him and do not even turn towards Him. This is the general state of Muslims. What hope can there be then that their efforts will bear results when they are all for the sake of the world. Remember that until there is no God but Allah, does not course through one's heart and veins. And the light and rule of Islam does not encompass every single particle of one's being. They can never achieve success. This is a matter decreed. If you present the example of Western nations to say that they are progressing, then their matter is completely different. You have been given the book. All things have been made clear to you. Their matter is separate, and for them is their day of reckoning. As for how or when they will be judged, they will be answerable to Allah the Almighty, and this will certainly take place. However, it is possible that Allah the Almighty does it after their demise and not in this world. However, If we claim to have faith, but do not act upon it, then our punishment can begin even in this life. This is a matter of great concern. He continues, If you abandon the Book of Allah, then there is a hell present for you in this very world. Such is the condition that in almost every city there are organisations and conferences for the betterment of Muslims. Yet no person who has compassion for Islam says that you should make the Qur'an your guide, or that you should act upon it. If they do say anything, they advise them to study English, make colleges and become barristers. This shows that belief in God no longer remains. If after 10 days a medicine is ineffective, an experienced doctor abandons that remedy and instead prescribes a new one. Here there is failure after failure, yet they do not retract from it. If there is no God, then they can abandon Him, and they will surely find success. But since God does exist, abandoning Him can never bring success. They desire to attain success and establish a nation by disrespecting Him and by dishonouring His Book. But this will never happen. Where did non-Muslims find the courage to burn the Holy Qur'an? It is because we have practically stopped acting upon the teachings of the Holy Quran. And this is how they found the courage, on account of which we are also at fault. The Muslims are at fault. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, continues Our opinion is exactly that which is apparent to see. There is only one path to success to recognize God and to have living faith in Him. If we were to state these things in the gatherings of worldly people, they will mock us. However, we feel mercy for them because it is a pity that those people cannot see what we see. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states that from what he sees, Muslims are doomed for certain ruin if they do not act according to the Holy Quran. Thus, there cannot be a double standard after claiming to be a Muslim. The state of Muslims suffices to serve as a lesson for us. They profess faith, yet their actions are worldly. The result of which is that as a nation, Muslims everywhere are in a poor state. This is a matter requiring great attention and concern. Then, whilst further speaking about giving precedence to faith over the world, on another occasion the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states Observe, there are two types of people. There are those who accept Islam and then become occupied in worldly work and trade. (coughs) Satan overcomes them. I do not mean to say that it is forbidden to do business, this has been explained previously as well. No, even the companions used to trade, however, they gave precedence to their faith over the world. Upon accepting Islam, they attained such knowledge which caused their hearts to brim with certainty. This is why there was no field in which Satan could cause them to waver. Hence, this is a guiding principle for every Ahmadi. Nothing could stop them, i.e. the companions, from expressing the truth. One must not lie and hide their faith. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, What I mean by this, is that those who become enslaved to the world, as if they worship it, Satan is able to overcome and control them. The other type of people are those who remain concerned with the success of the faith. This group of people is known as the people of Allah, those who overcome Satan and his army. The people of Allah are not those who fight worldly battles and wars, The people of Allah are those who establish a connection with Allah the Almighty, those who are victorious over Satan and his army. Since wealth is a business and increases through business, God Almighty has also regarded the search for faith and the desire for the progress of faith to be a trade. Hence, He states, Shall I point out to you a bargain that will save you from the painful punishment? What is the bargain of faith? The promised Messiah continues The best bargain is of faith which grants salvation from the most painful calamities. Hence, in the words of God Almighty I say to you I have most faith in those who do not diminish their passion for the progress of faith. As for those who diminish their passion, I fear that Satan may overcome them. Thus one should never become indolent. You ask about anything you do not understand, so that you may increase in understanding. It is not forbidden to question. You may even ask as a counter. One who desires intellectual progress should read the Holy Qur'an with great care. Whatever they do not understand, they should ask about. If they are not able to understand certain concepts, then they should ask others and thus render benefit to others. The Holy Qur'an is a spiritual ocean and in its depths are precious and invaluable pearls. Thus, in order to attain religious knowledge, it is necessary to grasp the guidance of the Holy Qur'an. It is only the Holy Qur'an that can correctly guide and this is the only way which can guide towards giving precedence to faith over the world. Therefore, we should analyse as to how many of us read the Holy Qur'an with care, recite it, and then strive to act upon it, regarding the fact that the Holy Qur'an has bestowed us with great favours which is why we should read it with great care and attention. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, It should be remembered that the Holy Qur'an has done a favour upon earlier Divine Scriptures and Prophets by turning their teachings, which were based on stories, into those based on facts. I say truthfully that no one can rely solely upon these stories and accounts until they read the Holy Qur'an. It is only the Holy Qur'an that is preeminent in that hazl. is, it is a decisive word and does not contain anything vain. It is a scale, witness, light, cure and mercy. Those who read the Holy Qur'an and consider it to be a mere story have not truly read it and in doing so, commit sacrilege. It is no wonder that our opponents have become so active in our opposition. We only wish to present the Holy Qur'an according to what God Almighty has said regarding it, that it is pure light, wisdom and knowledge. On the other hand, they wish for us to give the Holy Qur'an no more importance than a mere story. We cannot accept this. Through His grace, God Almighty has made it evident to us that the Holy Quran is a living and illuminating book. For this reason, why should we concern ourselves with this opposition? Thus, I repeatedly advise those who are connected to me that God Almighty has established this community to uncover and deliver the truth. Without this, one cannot develop light in their practical lives. I desire to establish the excellence of Islam to the world through the practice of its verities just as God has appointed me to. Thus, read the Holy Qur'an frequently, not as a mere story, but as a philosophy. Thus, it is imperative to understand the Holy Qur'an. Many Ahmadis ask questions, yet if they read the Holy Qur'an carefully, they will find their answers therein. During various events, when we speak in light of the Holy Qur'an, the listeners are impressed and also become acquainted with the excellences of Islam. Hence, every Ahmadi should use the Holy Qur'an with confidence. While the Holy Qur'an is a guide for moral training, it is also a powerful weapon to answer the allegations of others. The most important aspect of giving precedence to faith over the world is that one should develop a relationship with God Almighty. When one becomes acquainted with religious commandments, they should also have a relationship with the one who gave those commandments. They should develop a relationship with God Almighty and this relationship is established through worship. In Islam, the greatest form of worship is the daily prayers. Every Ahmadi should evaluate themselves and the standard of their prayers. If we improve our standards on this front, and establish a relationship with Allah the Almighty, only then will we achieve true happiness. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, My belief is that if someone wishes to be saved from hardship, he should reconcile with God in private and transform himself to the degree that his former self ceases to exist. God Almighty states in the Holy Qur'an, hatta ma bi anfusihim." That is, surely Allah changes not the condition of a people until they change that which is in their hearts. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, The foundation of a true religion is faith in God, and faith in God demands true chastity, i.e. one should fear God. God Almighty never wastes those who are righteous. He sends help for them from the heavens. Angels descend to aid them. What is greater than the fact that a righteous person is able to perform miracles? If one purifies himself before God Almighty, and abandons all deeds and actions that incur his displeasure, then all of his work will be completed with blessings. Our faith is based upon heavenly works. Our work will be completed only through divine works and nothing else. It is true that if a person finds God, the opposition of the entire world cannot cause any harm. Who can cause injury to the one who God is willing to protect? Thus one must trust in God. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states. Thus one must trust in God. And this trust should be to the degree that one resigns from all other means. Indeed, worldly means are also necessary. But the creator of those means is God Almighty. He can create the means for everything. And so you should not rely solely on the means. Trust of this nature is developed by being regular in offering prayer and ensuring that you supplicate during those prayers. You should safeguard against all forms of weakness and lay the foundation of a new life. Even your relatives are not as loving as God is. If He is pleased, then the rest of the world is also pleased. If God is pleased with someone, He straightens out all avenues and means for them. Even matches that failed find success. He turns detriment into benefit. This is the power of God. Indeed it is worth remembering that those who are prayed for should also continue to strive to accomplish their objective in their own capacity. People request prayers, but they must also utilize their faculties to reform themselves and accomplish their objectives. If such a person incurs God's displeasure by some other means, he prevents prayer from taking effect. To utilise worldly means in the right way is not a sin. However, God should always be given precedence. Such means should not be availed that occur God Almighty's displeasure. Whilst mentioning the remedy of not finding pleasure in one's prayers, the Promised Messiah states, I have observed that people are negligent and lethargic in prayer because they are oblivious to the pleasure and delight put therein by Allah the Almighty. This is the most substantial cause. Furthermore, there is even more negligence and lethargy in cities and towns. Less than 50% of people bow before their true Lord with willingness and true love. This begs the question, why are such people oblivious to this pleasure? And why have they never experienced it? Other faiths do not have such commandments. Have you observed when people are engaged in their work and the Mu'addin makes a call to prayer? People wish not to even hear the call to prayer, as though their hearts ache from the thought that now they must go to offer prayer. Such people are pitiful. There are such people here whose shops are below the mosques, yet they never go and stand for prayer. Thus, I wish to say that you ought to supplicate with great pain and passion to God Almighty, That he may allow you to taste the pleasure of worship once, just as he has enabled you to derive pleasure from fruits and other things. Notice that if one observes someone beautiful with delight, he remembers them very well. On the contrary, if one observes someone hideous and repulsive, his reaction and state become apparent from his expression. Indeed, if one has no affiliation, then they do not remember anything at all. Similarly, those who do not offer it consider prayer to be a penalty that unjustly forces one to wake up in the morning, perform ablution in the cold, leave the comfort of his sleep and endure all sorts of hardship. The truth is, such a person has an aversion to prayer that he does not fully understand. He is unaware of the pleasure and comfort that is found in prayer. Thus, how does one find pleasure in prayer? I have observed that when an alcoholic or drug addict does not find pleasure, he continues to drink one after the other until he is intoxicated. An intelligent and virtuous person can take benefit from this in that he should consistently offer prayer until he finds pleasure. Just as an alcoholic conceives a pleasure in his mind that becomes his sole objective, one should focus his mind and all his faculties towards attaining pleasure in prayer. Then at the very least, one should produce a passionate and sincere prayer, seeking that pleasure with the same level of pain, restlessness and desperation as a drug addict, I say with utter truth and conviction that as a result one will attain that pleasure. Thereafter, whilst offering prayer, one can also keep in view the benefits he wishes to derive and that he should do good works in al-hasanat yudhibn is, good works drive away evil works. Thus, whilst praying, one should keep this pleasure and these good works in his heart and supplicate that he is able to pray like the truthful and virtuous. God has stated, إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْحِبْنَ
0: السَّيِّعَاتِ
3: That is, good works drive away evil works. At another instance, God states that prayer safeguards against indecency and manifest evil. Yet as we observe, why do some people still commit evil even though they offer prayer? The answer to this is that although they offer prayer, they do not do so with soul and sincerity. Instead, they bow their heads as a custom or habit, their soul is dead. In this instance, Allah Almighty has not used the word hasanat i.e. good works to refer to such prayer, nor has He referred to as salat i.e. prayer as hasanat in the second instance, even though both terms hold the same meaning. The reason for this is so that the excellence, beauty and virtue of true prayer could be highlighted. In other words, only such a prayer that is pervaded by a spirit of sincerity and is able to derive divine grace, can drive away evil. Prayer of this standard most certainly drives away evil. Prayer is not merely an act of sitting and rising up. The essence and soul of prayer is a supplication that possesses pleasure and delight. Hence, we must evaluate ourselves. Are we deriving pleasure from our prayers? Are we solely reliant on worldly means? Are we truly safeguarding our prayers and fulfilling the rights of our Pledge of Allegiance? Are we fulfilling our objective? If not, then this is worrisome. Then whilst drawing our attention toward excelling in knowledge and understanding, safeguarding against the onslaughts of Satan, and how the relationship between a spiritual leader and his disciple should be, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, the relationship between a spiritual leader and his disciples can be likened to the relationship between a teacher and student. Just as a student benefits from his teacher, so too does a disciple from his spiritual leader. However, if a student maintains his relationship with his teacher, but does not take strides in his education, he cannot derive any benefit. The same can be said about disciples. Thus, in this community, you must progress in your knowledge and understanding after having established a relationship. A seeker of truth never rests at one place after reaching a certain rank. Otherwise, Satan the accursed would distract him. Just as stagnant water becomes rancid, water that does not flow develops a stench and produces insects and disease. A human also exhibits such traits when he is stagnant. Thus, we should continue to take strides towards progress. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, Similarly, if a believer does not strive toward progress, he will fall. Thus, those who are fortunate are obligated to always progress in their faith. There has never been a human in this world more perfect than the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Yet he was also taught the prayer, of zidni ilma, that is, O Lord, increase me in knowledge. Hence, who else can rest and rely solely on their knowledge and understanding and dismiss the need of progressing in the future? As a person progresses in his knowledge and understanding, he will come to realise that there are many things that still require a solution. At first glance, some matters may seem to be useless to them, like if a child plays with the Euclidean shapes, i.e. a child would think the geometric shapes or the various diagrams made by scientists are just mere lines and of no value. These people are just like children and deem these matters to be useless. Nevertheless, eventually these same things are what they will see to be the truth. When they grow up and gain an understanding, they will come to know that these matters are indeed very important. Therefore, how important is it for one to act upon everything in order to increase in knowledge alongside transforming themselves? You have forsaken many useless matters to accept this movement. If you do not therefore attain this objective with full understanding and insight, then what benefit is there? How can you strengthen your conviction and knowledge? If you develop doubts and misgivings over trivial matters, there is the risk that you will stumble on your final step. Hence, there are some people whose faith wavers, which is why they fail to increase in their knowledge or they use their self-concocted explanations and reasoning. They do not read the books of the promised Messiah peace be upon him. If we pay attention towards our religious knowledge, we shall also develop our faith in the existence of Allah Almighty. Furthermore, we shall increase in our faith in the truthfulness of Islam and Ahmadiyyat, and be those who safeguard the faith of our children. Thus, one must pay great attention towards this. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated, "If you have pledged allegiance to me, then accept me as the Hakam, the Judge, and Adil, the Just Arbiter. Have conviction in the fact that whatever I say is in accordance with the teachings of Allah the Almighty and His Messenger, peace blessings of Allah be upon Him." And I shall speak with the special guidance of Allah Almighty. He stated, "Develop such faith whereby you pay reverence to the decisions of the Hakam and Adil." The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, "One who believes should develop their faith to the stage of conviction and cognizance. They should not fall prey to doubt. Remember that doubt or conjecture cannot be of benefit. Doubts creep in. Allah Almighty Himself states." In dhanna la yurni min al that is, surely conjecture avails nothing against truth. The truth is ultimately the truth. The truth does not become hidden if doubts arise. It is conviction which can make a person successful. Nothing can happen without conviction. If a person begins to harbour doubts about everything, then perhaps they would not be able to survive even a moment in the world. They would even begin to doubt every worldly matter, so take that as an example. They would not be able to drink water, thinking it could be mixed with poison. They would not be able to eat food from the shops, thinking they could possess something that would kill them. How then can one survive? This is a general example. Those who are prone to doubt and conjecture make their lives intolerable as they continue to think in this way one should also make sure that such doubts do not develop in spiritual matters as well. He then states, likewise, one can derive benefit from this in spiritual matters. Think to yourselves and make a decision in your hearts, if you have pledged your allegiance to me and accepted me as the promised Messiah, Hakam and Adl. If after this belief you carry any grief or anguish over any of my decisions or actions, then you should show concern over your faith. Faith which is filled with doubts and misgivings cannot result in any good. However, if you have accepted wholeheartedly that the promised Messiah is truly the Hakam, then lay down your arms upon his decisions and actions, and have reverence for his verdicts, so that you are counted among those who honour and respect the blessed instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The testimony of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is sufficient, and he assures that he will be your Imam and the Hakam and Adl. If you are not assured by this, then when can you ever be? The approach can never be good or blessed that one possesses faith, but at the same time harbors doubts in their heart. If I am not truthful, then go and search for a truthful one, but know that at this time you shall not find another truthful one. Then, if you fail to find another truthful one, I ask only of the rights which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has granted me. Those who have rejected me and those who raise allegations against me have not recognized me. But those who have accepted me and still have reservations are even more unfortunate for they have become blind after seeing in reality the contemporaries are also those who lower one's rank for this reason the messiah jesus peace be upon him said that prophets are not dishonored except in their own homeland one can understand from this the troubles and pains he had to endure from his own people this is the treatment of the prophets peace be upon them which has continued so how can we be free from it Prophets were opposed, so it is nothing out of the ordinary if it is also happening to us. Therefore, whatever we must hear from our opponents is in line with the practice of, and there never came to them any messenger, but they mocked at him. Alas, if only these people would come to me with pure intentions, so that I may show them that which Allah Almighty has granted me, that God would Himself send down His blessings upon them and make them understand Yet they acted with miserliness and envy. So how can I now explain to them? Even now, after nearly 132 years, these people do not take heed after witnessing the signs. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, then states, when a person comes with a pure heart in search of the truth, then everything is decided. But when one has evil, and mischievous intentions, then nothing can be achieved. A reference of Ibn Arabi has been quoted in Hijaj Kirama, wherein it states that during the time of the Promised Messiah, he will be deemed a liar and ignorant person. It is even stated that he will be accused of changing the religion. This is exactly what is happening right now. Such allegations are being raised against me now. One can only be saved from such doubts when they cover their Book of Interpretations and ponder as to whether this is the truth or not. Some matters are, of course, beyond comprehension. However, those who believe in the Prophets wait with good thoughts, patience and resolution until a time comes when Allah Almighty discloses the truth to them. At the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the companions would not question him. Instead, they would wait for someone to raise a question and they would thus benefit from it, otherwise they would keep their heads down silently, without daring to question Him. In my estimation, this is the true and best way to show etiquette. One who does not comprehend the etiquettes of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and fails to adopt them, I fear that they may perish. The peace be upon him, was speaking about matters pertaining to his era, when he was sat in his gatherings. Nowadays people raise the same points after reading his books and and hearing his proofs. He states, these people do not understand the etiquettes of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and I fear lest they be destroyed. Thus, it is out of their own misfortune that the Muslims make great excuses when it comes to listening to and understanding this message. And their dire state is not even enough to draw their attention towards understanding what they are becoming as a nation, whilst in such a state. This is the time, and the prophecies of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, are being fulfilled. So at the very least, search for the the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated, If it is not me, then it should be someone else. However, you will not find anyone else. Having become immersed in worldly pursuits, people are becoming unmindful of this. However, it is our responsibility to still continue to make efforts to save them and convey the message of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, to each and every person. We are not to convey the message only to the Muslims. In fact, we have to convey it to every single person regardless of which faith they belong to and even those who do not believe in any faith at all. We have a lot of work that still remains. Despite a hundred years since the establishment of the Ahmadiyya community in Germany, we have not been able to convey the message of Islam to the people of Germany. Thus, we ought to reflect from this aspect as well. Whilst drawing our attention towards conveying the message of Islam and Tabligh that is preaching, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, At present, I have two important tasks at hand. Firstly, that my message is propagated to the Arabs. Secondly, that the message is fully conveyed and clarified without a shadow of doubt to the people of Europe. The Arabs are significant because internally they possess the truth and a large segment of them perhaps do not even know that God has established a divine dispensation. This is the case today as well, that our message has not reached every Arab, even though the efforts in this regard have greatly increased compared to earlier times. Even when it has reached, it is due to the opponents who label us guardianis, out of mockery of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him's name, and in this way have introduced us in the world and to their people, and have told people all kinds of lies and falsehood about the promised messiah, peace be upon him. They have only conveyed the message from their perspective. If we have been introduced, then it is through our opponents. However, we have not introduced our message well enough. In any case, the promised messiah, peace be upon him continues. It is my responsibility to convey this message to them. And if I do not, I shall be guilty of sin. Similarly, the people of Europe also deserve to know where they have erred. They have deified a man and thus distanced themselves from the true God. The state of Europe has truly become a reflection of the following Akhlada ilal ard, that is, he inclined to the earth. Generally, people have no concern for anything else besides worldly pursuits. Some of our people, particularly the youth, become impressed by their material progress. However, there is no need to become impressed. In fact, they ought to inform them that the path they are on is going to lead them to destruction. We must preach to them. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, all sorts of inventions and developments are being produced, i.e. in Western countries and developed nations. However, one should not be taken aback that Europe continues to progress in the worldly arts and sciences. One should not become impressed by the mere fact that they are making material progress. It is a matter of principle that when the doors of heavenly knowledge are closed to a people, their thoughts begin to revolve around earthly matters. It has never been the case that prophets came and then designed new machines, or that their efforts and struggles were dedicated to producing worldly inventions alone. This should be deeply rooted in the minds of everyone, that we have not accepted Ahmadiyya to attain worldly benefit. Rather, we have accepted Ahmadiyya in order to establish a living relationship with God Almighty. This is the message we have to convey to the people of the world. This is what is going to reform our life in this world and in the hereafter.
0: Whilst mentioning
3: the purpose and objective of His advent, the promised Messiah peace be upon him, stated, The purpose and objective of my advent is to spread Tawhid, the belief in the oneness of God, morals and spirituality. Tawhid means to believe God to be your objective, a purpose, beloved and the one whom you show complete obedience to, and to abstain from the obvious forms of shirk, idolatry, as well as the more subtle forms such as reliance upon worldly means, and also to refrain from considering oneself of having some kind of significance. One should not allow shirk in the form of one's own ego to appear. One should not indulge in even a single subtle form of shirk. This is the meaning of tawheed. However, at present the world is entrapped in worldly endeavours. In relation to morals, it means that all the faculties of man should be exercised on its proper occasion and time. It should not be the case that one should completely discard a particular faculty and overly adopt another. For example, if one completely cuts off their hand, could they carry out any good act through it? Certainly not. In fact, true and perfect morals are that one should exercise the faculties bestowed upon them by Allah Almighty on its proper occasion in such a manner which are free from any extremes. One form of extreme is if one were to have a heightened sense of smell, they could suffer from hyperosmia which will cause them to experience discomfort. There are some people whose sense of smell is extremely sharp and as a result, they experience headaches. Similarly, there are smells which can cause different types of ailments. Thus, one ought to pray that may Allah the Almighty enable one to remain in a balanced state and safeguard one from every form of illness, including spiritual ailment as well. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, The other end of the extreme is that one's senses completely fail to function. A balanced state is that one's senses function in their proper time and occasion. And this is a state whereby one's morals become true moral qualities. And I have come to establish this one should adopt the path of moderation, and one should strive to attain the excellent morals which Islam has commanded. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further states, Spirituality means those signs and hallmarks which come about when one establishes a true relationship with God Almighty. Until these states are not achieved, one cannot have a true understanding. However, this is one's true objective. Hence, these actions, if followed, will transform us into true believers. Therefore, we should analyse ourselves and see if we have reached the standard or not. Our ultimate desire and goal, and most beloved of all, should be God Almighty. If this is not the case, then we are at a relatively weaker stage of faith. Thus, we should reflect over our actions. When compared with God Almighty, Every worldly desire of ours pales into insignificance, and one is not in need of it. If this is the case, then we will fulfill the rights of mosques as well. Furthermore, if we are constructing mosques, then we should be concerned about how we are going to populate them as well. Thus, every Ahmadi should deliberate over how much passion and fervency they have for Tawheed, that is oneness of God. Similarly, every Ahmadi must exhibit the best of morals. It is these excellent morals that serve as an excellent means of propagating our message. And through this, we can do justice to our pledge of allegiance to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. In the mosque openings I attend, those people who are acquainted with Ahmadis say that Ahmadis have good morals. But I have seen a shortcoming. Despite these good morals, they do not introduce them properly to Islam and Ahmadiyyat. If we introduce it to them properly, then we can fulfill the words of the promised Messiah to propagate the message of Ahmadiyyat, the true Islam, to the people of Europe and this country. Similarly, we should exhibit excellent morals between ourselves as well. It is not only meant for externals it should not be the case that one deals in an excellent manner with others but causes great issues in their own home and for others around them therefore these are the things which we should bear in mind with regards to excellent morals and conduct the promised messiah peace be upon him came in subservience to the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him in order to establish his very morals within us the promised messiah peace be upon him said that one can gauge the result of their spirituality and can develop their spirituality when one attains the highest ranks of fulfilling the rights of Allah and fulfilling the rights of mankind, When our own people and others see the beauty within us. If our children learn these lessons from us, then we can say we have achieved this rank. Amir Sahib, that is the National President of Germany, was asking me in recent days, What is our target for the next century? Firstly, the few things that I have mentioned do not encompass everything. I have merely mentioned a few things that the Promised Messiah, peace be upon Him, guided us towards. Have we achieved all of these in the last century? Have we forged a strong bond with God Almighty? Have we attained the excellent ranks in prayers? At prayer times, do we put our worldly endeavours to one side and go for prayers? Or are we focused on simply constructing mosques? Do we regularly recite the Qur'an? Do we search for the injunctions of the Holy Qur'an and try to act on them? Are we striving our utmost to ensure our children remain attached to their faith? Are we simply concerned with our children's secular education, or are we worried about their faith as well? Have our morals and conduct with one another reached a level where they resemble رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ that is tender among themselves. Are we showing excellent morals to others and telling them about the beautiful teachings of Islam? Or do we simply show some good manners and claim that we are peaceful people? Many times, when I have the opportunity to address external guests, many of them say that they are hearing the beautiful teachings of Islam for the first time. From this, it is plainly clear that you are not using your associations with externals and morals for propagating the message of Islam in the manner you should be. What is the point of distributing hundreds of thousands of leaflets if the people are not introduced to Islam properly? Therefore, we should firstly assess ourselves to gauge where we are with respect to fulfilling the rights of Allah and fulfilling the rights of mankind. If one has attained this, which in my opinion has not been attained yet, and everyone can reflect and assess for themselves, there is no need for me to mention it. So what then is the need to set a new target for the next century? The target for the next century is the brief code of conduct, which I mentioned in light of the guidance imparted to us by the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. We passionately claim that we will win the hearts of everyone. We must convince everyone of the oneness of God Almighty and bring everyone towards the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Therefore, every one of us should analyse themselves in this regard. And the Germany community should begin the new century with even more vigour and resolve that we will strive to achieve our goals by giving precedence to our faith over all worldly pursuits, and that we will advise our children and progenies to follow suit and ensure for their moral training in a way that this yearning to form a connection with God Almighty is transformed from one generation to the next. May Allah enable us to do so.
0: نے نصیحت کرتے رہیں گے کہ اور ان کی اور کرتے رہیں گے اور ان کی اس طرح تربیت کریں گے کہ اللہ تعالی سے تعلق یہ جاگ ایک نسل سے نسل میں لکتی چلی جائے اللہ تعالی ہمیں اس کی توفیق فرمائے
2: ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا الله فلا when الله as with Allah, no be lost عبد comfort of الله Jeremy. الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل